0: Hello there, welcome back to another episode of the PCOS Nutritionist Podcast. So today's episode is all for you lean PCOSs. So a couple of weeks ago I did an episode on weight and so many of you contacted me and were like, can you do the same thing but for those of us that don't struggle with weight because we feel really lost when we go to the doctor and they're like, well we'd normally tell people with PCOS to lose weight but you don't have to so... There's nothing really we can do for you. Here's hormonal birth control if you're trying to conceive or if you're not, go away and keep trying and then come back. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So as well as the episode today, I have got, well, I'll tell you a little bit of a spoiler, but what you're going to learn about is that my um, method of working with women with PC, lean PCOS is exactly the same as working with women with who struggle with weight in PCOS. And that's because the thing that's driving your hormonal imbalance, which is what happens in PCOS, we have this overproduction of the male hormones, the androgens, or we have our body not being able to break them down very well. So they might look normal on um, blood work, But when we actually look further in functional tests, we see that your body's just struggling to break them down and therefore they're circulating around your body, uh, causing the facial hair and the acne and the hair loss and the disruption to your hormones. Okay, so the same uh, method I use with women that uh, um, struggle with weight and PCOS is the same as I use with women who have lean PCOS. And that is to try and find the root cause or causes about why your hormones are out of balance. And then once we know that, then we can actually um, uh, you know, go forward and address that for you. So, as part of this episode, I've got a download for you on the test to get if you have lean PCOS. And I'll explain a bit about those tests as we're going through today's episode. But to find that, um, head over to the website and, um, or in the show notes and there'll be a link in there for the download um, so if you're finding it on my website just go to the blog um, and then you find it for episode five and in there, episode five you'll find the download for today so as i said if you come and see me as an individual client or if you come and join the pcs protocol you go through the same process as if you've got lean pcs as if you have um, a, you know an issue with weight in pcs And that's because there isn't anything special about weight and PCOS. Weight is just one symptom, kind of like how some people won't have any hair loss and others will, or some won't have acne and others will. The same thing applies for weight. And that's because weight is a symptom, again, of that underlying... um, mechanism that's not working properly in your body so that what I call the root cause or your PCOS type to try and help you understand this a bit better that we're all different and we all have different mechanisms in our body that just go a little bit haywire. The one thing that I would say is that weight does tend to exacerbate some of the symptoms of PCOS so when we have extra body fat, our our body fat also produces testosterone. And this is why some people that have extra weight in PCOS might get more severe, say, facial and body hair. Um, And this is one that I often find. Um, But it doesn't mean that women with lean PCOS don't get that. It just can sometimes be a bit more severe. And that's because it's sort of like a compounding effect. So, as our ovaries produce testosterone, and remember, testosterone—that's the male hormone or the androgen—is it's it's that's the family it comes from. Our group of androgens, and it roams around in our body, and it gets into our hair follicles and our on our face and on our body, and turns those little baby hairs into the big black terminal hairs that we then see. Um, it also gets into the oil gland in our skin and causes that to overproduce oil and then that's when we get acne and it also gets into our hair follicles and it um, causes it causes them to die and that's why they fall out and we get thinning hair and it also disrupts how our eggs grow and so therefore whether we ovulate or not so for those of you that are trying to conceive one of the big things is that uh, your egg, that when you ovulate gets released, that actually starts growing about three months prior to when uh, you ovulate. So you're, you're, you've got hundreds of eggs in there, and basically what your body will do is it will try and select the dominant follicle or the dominant egg to grow that. Okay, so it's like this big race of the like basically the, the biggest and fastest wins and um and so your body will your body will basically just hedge your bet on one egg and it'll be like right you i think that you're going to grow the biggest and you're going to be the dominant follicle and it's like the chosen one then all of the resources will get put into this egg to help it grow and and then be um released but if that egg is exposed to these high the high testosterone and androgens then it just won't grow to size and then also what can happen as well is that then your body will um, often what happens in in PCOS is that your body will try and release a hormone called luteinizing hormone. And that's the one if you look in the menstrual cycle, you'll see there's like your rise in estrogen and at the start of the cycle. And then you'll have this one that kind of seemingly does nothing for most of the cycle and then it just shoots up in the middle. And that's the one called luteinizing hormone. Its job is to actually stay kind of pretty dormant and then when the egg is ready to be released, it'll shoot up and kind of release that projected out of the out of the ovary into the fallopian tube, ready for waiting sperm. Okay, but in PCOS, there's an issue that actually that that luteinizing hormone gets shot up too high, and your body gets confused, and you're like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" And that happens with a lot of women. So, you, as you can see, there's a lot of things that that those our uh, hormones can affect, and especially that testosterone. And when we have, um, so our ovaries produce testosterone, also our adrenal glands produce a testosterone, I call it testosterone's brother from another mother, and it's called DHEAS. And then also our fat tissue as well produces testosterone. So that is why some people with weight and PCOS might have kind of more severe symptoms, or one that don't have as much um, body fat might have, less severe symptoms that's really the only difference that we see but in terms of when it comes to the actual root cause or what's driving that hormonal imbalance it doesn't um, matter or doesn't it doesn't mean that um, that differs so much so but first things first so we'll go into the root cause in a minute but the first thing I do when I have um, a one-on-one patient um, who has lean PCOS is that I actually make sure that they've been diagnosed with PCOS correctly And this, my job is not to diagnose. I can't do that. I'm not a doctor. I see people once they've been diagnosed, but I. I only work in PCOS and therefore I've got a pretty good idea about um, the diagnostic criteria. Well, I have a very good idea about the diagnostic criteria. And so I just check and make sure that actually um, you've been diagnosed correctly. Um, I can't undiagnose you or change your diagnosis, but I can kind of suggest you head back to your doctor or maybe get a second opinion if I don't think it might be quite right or I think that, you know, you might want to get some further um, testing done really just to confirm that. And the reason for this is that PCOS is a really, um, it's quite a, a syndrome is a quite a fickle thing to diagnose because it's not like a disease like cancer where we know that it um, progresses in the same way. So we know, okay, it's cells replicating out of control um, and so therefore we, we can diagnose that quite easily. Whereas with PCOS, it's a bit more vague. It's like okay. Do you have two out of the three these three things? Do you have irregular periods? Do you have high testosterone or um, or androgens in your blood work? Or do you have symptoms of acne and facial hair or hair loss that would that would show that you have high androgens? And then do you have cysts on your ovaries? So you only have to meet two out of those three criteria to be diagnosed with PCOS. But a really common PCOS mimicker is something called hypothalamic amenorrhea. And this is different to PCOS. Basically, this is a miscommunication between your brain and your ovaries um, that has shut down ovulation. Um, But some of the symptoms can be really similar. So you can not have a period because your brain has shut down ovulation if you're not ovulating you're not likely to get a period and also you can have these cysts on your ovaries so the cysts on the ovaries are not um, are not just for women with PCOS many women have these cysts on their ovaries and they actually shouldn't be called cysts what they are is just baby eggs or the correct term is follicles so baby eggs that just didn't get released when you didn't ovulate So as I explained before, how if your um, body's exposed to those high androgens, that can be a reason why that dominant egg doesn't get selected and therefore it can't, or it doesn't quite grow to size and therefore it can't be released, or maybe your hormones are out of whack and therefore it can't be released. But similarly, if you have hypothalamic amenorrhea and your body has just shut down ovulation, you also won't ovulate. And so therefore you'll also get these follicles kind of stuck on the ovary. And stuck is not actually what happens this is just the way that I like to think about it and I work in analogies and and that's how I like to describe things but that's kind of what, how you can imagine it so someone with hypothalamic amenorrhea could also be diagnosed with PCOS but actually the reason why they developed or why they have the symptoms of irregular periods and these follicles on their ovaries is very very different to the reason why women with PCOS have them okay So up to a quarter of all women have these follicles on their ovaries. So just if you've just been um, in for an ultrasound and uh, someone has said, oh, you've got cysts on your ovaries, you've got polycystic ovarian syndrome, that's not correct. They can't actually diagnose you just based on that ultrasound. What they may then say to you is, oh, do you have irregular periods? And you might say, yeah, I do. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, well, actually you do meet the criteria of PCOS. But as if it just explained to you, it could actually be many other reasons why you've got those follicles or cysts and why you've got the irregular period. So hypothalamic amenorrhea generally is um, caused by, um, we often see this in athletes, so eating too little, too little body fat and eating too little little carbohydrate is another really common one. Okay, so if that, um, and this is why women with lean PCOS, if, if actually it's, due to um they're, they're not getting a period and they've got these follicles on their ovaries is actually due to too little body weight and too eating too few calories and or too few carbohydrates they could be um they could easily have the hypothalamic amenorrhea but instead they've been diagnosed with PCOS okay so that would be the one the first thing I would just check is if that if that is the correct diagnosis the other the other a uh, condition that can often be misdiagnosed with PCOS is something called non- congenital adrenal hyperplasia, and it's a uh, condition that is a really big mimic for PCOS. You virtually cannot tell uh, any difference between symptoms. So again, they would fit the you'd fit the diagnostic criteria for PCOS, but actually, um, it is caused by something completely different. It is a genetic defect, um, like an issue with your genetic with your chromosomes. And therefore, it's a very different treatment um, than PCOS. But up to, so um, up to, I think it's up to 9% of women with um, high testosterone or androgens actually have this non-congenital adrenal hyperplasia, not PCOS. So if someone's not responding to treatment um, with PCOS treatment, then I would, generally get them to get checked for non-congenital adrenal hyperplasia um, just in case they've got the wrong diagnosis I have written a whole blog about that I won't go too much into NCAH we'll do another podcast on that later but um, there is a whole blog about it if you're interested so that's the first thing I would do um, with someone with lean PCOS is just check okay is it actually the right um, the right diagnosis for them and then once it is then it would go about figuring out what that root cause is for them okay so root cause as I mentioned in the very first episode of this podcast if you're just joining us now then that would be one that I'd go back and listen to but what I explain in that is that with with us with PCOS we all have this genetic predisposition to develop PCOS well those of us that have it and because these genes that are predisposing us to develop PCOS are the genes that help us helped us survive thousands of years ago when it was very favorable to um, not be carrying around a lot of children at one time. So have um, gaps between children it was also very favorable to be able to store body weight very easily. And um, and these genes have kind of carried through because it's only been the last couple of hundred years or even the last, not even the last couple of hundred, the last 50 or so years that we've been in an environment where we've had excess food. We've had abundance of food and we've had, and therefore, and we've also not only had abundance of food, but we've also had an abundance of stress. Um, and we've had other things like environmental toxins and changes in gut bacteria. Uh, we've gone from a, a more an environment where we would pick up food off the cave floor and it would come with a whole lot of um, gut bugs and bacteria that were favourable in our digestive tract to now being in very sterile environments. Uh, We may have also been born by a cesarean section where we don't actually inherit the gut bacteria from our mother we we which we would normally do when we when you pass through the um the birth canal or the vaginal tract and actually the baby swallows some of the mother's um vaginal um flora and therefore that's what inoculates the gut bacteria so if you're born by c-section you don't get that instead you get exposed into the hospital and your first gasps of air you take in the bacteria from the hospital that you're born into which is obviously not as favorable and so we've had all of these massive changes in our environment over the last 50 um, years or so, and our genes just haven't been able to adapt. So what was potentially favorable previously is just working against us a little bit. But the good thing about this is when we know what um, environmental factors or, or what's kind of triggering um, these genes to not work properly, well, we can then go through and actually um, turn that those or change the way that we live to work with our genes rather than against them okay and this is what I talk about identifying the root cause so for um, for women with PCOS that the general kind of root causes tend to be um, or things that exacerbate our symptoms tend to be um, insulin and insulin is our hormone that when we eat specifically when we eat carbohydrates um, and carbohydrates are anything from sugars and your sweets and biscuits and things to Um, the more complex ones, uh, like in your um, whole grains and legumes and um, rice and pasta and stuff like that. And when you eat that, your body detects that you've got a rise in blood sugar because those carbohydrates get broken down into smaller molecules and that increases blood sugar. And the, um, the response is that your body releases a hormone called insulin. And it's insulin's job to take those sugar molecules and and put them into your cells so we can use them for energy and so if you think about insulin, insulin's like the keeper of the key and so it's got the key that goes and unlocks the cell door and lets everything in but the problem in PCOS is that often our key doesn't quite fit in the lock properly and um, we get too much so we get too much insulin because our body just keeps um, it actually just keeps producing more and more insulin when the key doesn't work properly so our body's is overproducing insulin and it's this insulin and in those of us that are genetically predisposed with PCOS that is what affects or causes that increase in testosterone and or androgens is what they're known as the androgen family and that's then what does the damage in our body Okay, but it doesn't, this doesn't happen for all women with PCOS. This is up to about 70 to 80% of PCOS, women with PCOS. And this includes women with lean PCOS as well. So this is the one that I see the most often missed in women with lean PCOS because you'll go into your doctor and the doctor will say, well, you're not overweight, therefore you can't have an insulin issue. And that's totally not true. So weight gain is one of the biggest symptoms of insulin resistance, but it doesn't happen for all women. So in, my, in the podcast episode three, I think it was, we talked all about how um, you know, weight was one of the big factors for um, NPCS and why that was the case and why it was not just a calorie equation, the fact that you were eating too much it's actually a lot due to insulin not actually allowing your body to burn some of that and making it really easy to store weight, as many women will know. But it's only one symptom, it doesn't happen for everybody that has an insulin issue. So what I find is that even women with lean PCOS, often their insulin is not working properly. But the reason that you might not find this out, so you might say, oh, Claire, that doesn't apply to me because I've had my HbA1c checked or my fasting blood glucose and it's fine. But those tests there are not specific enough to pick up the early changes in insulin that could be affecting your hormones. So what they'll do is they'll pick up if you've got type 2 diabetes, But type 2 diabetes is not what we're looking for. We're looking for any early changes in insulin that will be enough to cause that increase in testosterone. um, That would be causing your acne and your hair growth and your hair loss and your irregular periods. Okay, so what we often find especially in people with lean PCOS is that we have to do a test called the insulin assay. And this is the like the oral glucose challenge. So if you know anyone that's been pregnant, what they'll often get, is they have to go in and do a um, a test for their glucose, where they have to drink a really sugary, sickly drink, and then um, you know then they will have their glucose measured an hour, two hours, and three hours after that to see how their body responds to glucose. So if the insulin's working properly, as you can remember from the key and the lock analogy the insulin's working properly, what will happen is that their 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 blood glucose will rise because the sugar from the drink has crossed into their blood and their body will release this insulin, will be able to go over, open the doors, let the glucose into the cell and then shut the door afterwards and therefore the glucose in your blood will come down. But if your insulin's not working properly, that um, glucose will, you know, you, you can imagine your insulin's there trying to get the lock and the door open. And in the meantime, the glucose is just hanging out in the blood being like, okay, hurry up insulin, get the door open. And so your your glucose might be high for two and three hours um, after you've eaten or drunk that sugary drink. But what we really want to see, what often we see in women with, type, um, with lean PCOS is that this is the test that we need to get done Um, is actually seeing how their body is affected after they've eaten. And so we want to actually see not just how much glucose is in your blood after you've eaten, but also how much insulin. So is your body overproducing insulin to uh, to counteract the fact that you you can't get that door open? It's basically, if you can imagine your body saying, oh God, insulin, you're struggling to get that door open. Okay, I'm going to send you more insulin, more people there, hoping that someone's got the right key that fits, or... With brute force by having more insulin molecules there, you can barge down that door and get it open. Okay, so what this test is doing is actually measuring not only your glucose but also your insulin. And what we'll often see in with lean PCOS is that you'll have more your well, your fasting insulin and your fasting glucose will look fine, but when after you've eaten, that will be when your your glucose and your insulin will stay high. So these are the kind of tests that I've created in the download for you for. Um, for today's episode so today's episode 5 um, and you can find that find those tests so the tests for you know for for example the non congenital adrenal hyperplasia making sure that's the you know PCOS is the right diagnosis for you um, a bit about hypothalamic amenorrhea and how that can often um, be um, like missed and instead you get diagnosed with PCOS, and also these kind of tests so what what tests you should be asking for for insulin why HbA1c and fasting by glucose and fasting insulin won't pick this up um, and and then um, what some of the other things that can that can go wrong that we'll talk about in a minute so if it's not insulin what else to be looking for there as well so that's all in the download for today um, and you can either find that and on the website or in the show notes for today's episode so insulin is a really big one and still with lean PCOS so just because you have lean PCOS, don't discount the fact that your insulin's working properly. So I had a, I've had, got a really good example of this. I had a, a lovely patient, um, Stephanie, and she's actually on my uh, website, on my YouTube channel, talking about her story. Um, so I've known Steph since we were uh, 23. We were both started on um, our graduate program after university coming out. We both worked for a, um, a telco company in New Zealand. And Steph always has had perfect BMI, perfect skin, um, perfect periods. And then she got married and went on the pill. And then they decided they wanted to try for a baby, so she came off the pill. And after that, she had, um, her periods were missing, they didn't return for a few months. And when they did, they were about 90 days apart. And she went to the doctor and and got diagnosed with PCOS. And then uh, they said to her, look, because you don't need to lose any weight, there's nothing really we can do for you. You basically, your only option is IVF. And so this was obviously like, Just destroying for Steph and her and her husband because it was like what the hell I'm like a healthy young still in my 20s female and I'm now being told that my only option is IVF like this doesn't stack up I've always previously had regular periods Um, it's only now coming off the pill that these are irregular and so you know she was like this doesn't this doesn't make sense and so knowing what I did she came um, and talked to me about it and we got some testing done and what we saw there is that while she definitely wouldn't have been um diagnosed with insulin resistance she was her in her hbo and c and her fasting blood glucose were very very normal her um this postprandial insulin and um, glucose were not normal so it was just slightly off what i would say is that it was just not optimal so this is the difference between you you know the why the medical reference ranges are not particularly helpful for PCOS because what they'll only pick up is whether you are clinically insulin resistant or clinically got type 2 diabetes but that's not um, they are while they're important in themselves because they show that you might be heading towards type 2 diabetes or already have that and therefore need specific help What they don't—they're not a specific reference range that shows that okay, with at this level of insulin, this is going to cause your testosterone to raise and therefore affect your like hormones and your ovulation and therefore affect why you're not getting pregnant. Okay, so this is why we need to kind of use a a different reference range for insulin and PCOS. And when we um, so what we saw with Stephs was that her insulin wasn't functioning optimally; it was just slightly off, even though she was nowhere near. Overweight, Perfect BMI, as I said. And, and so we just slightly tweaked her diet um, to make her body more sensitive to insulin, gave her some um, vitamins and minerals that we knew helped the insulin receptor work properly, also some herbs, and changed her exercise to make her body more sensitive to insulin. And within two months, her periods went from 90 days to 30 days, or 34 days, and within four months she was pregnant okay so it's just slight changes in that make a massive difference and here was someone that was being told your only option is IVF and that was just not true and she could have potentially gone through you know a very very uh, traumatic experience with IVF and and the hormones that they put you through to go through that and and what that can do to your body for absolutely no reason Whereas if we can just identify what that root cause is, we can actually go through and fix that through lifestyle changes. So that was the case for Steph, but for many other women with lean PCOS, it's not insulin at all. Another really big one that I see is actually that your stress hormones aren't working properly. And this is the one probably, as I said, it is probably the most common that I see in lean PCOSs and the reason that stress is really important is that stress can cause your body to overproduce DHEAS and this is the one I mentioned before is your brother from another mother to testosterone okay so it's just it does the same thing as testosterone it shoots around in your body um, causing your hair to turn from those you know fine hairs the dark terminal hairs causing disruption to your ovulation which might then mean you struggle to get pregnant Causing um, your skin to overproduce oil, which leads to acne, and causing your hair to fall out. So it does the same job, but it's just produced from a different place in your body. So your adrenal glands are the, the glands that produce your stress hormones, ad- adrenaline and cortisol. Okay, so you know when you get, you step out onto the road and you've been looking at your phone, and suddenly you realise you haven't looked properly because there's a bus that just Almost wipes you out, and you're like, "Oh my goodness! Like that was so close! I almost got hit by that bus!" And you get that adrenaline rush of of um, of you know you feel like your heart rate's increased, maybe fluttery, and really alert. And that's the response that we get when we um, when we're in a dangerous situation. Our body basically readies us to fight and flee. So adrenaline's like your short acting um, hormone, and cortisol is the more long acting. When you're under stress for a long period of time. So that's the hormone that raises. and But DHEAS is another hormone in there that also um, increases as well. And it's increased by high stress. But the, it does a different thing. It does what testosterone does. And so research has shown that up to 50% of women with PCOS have this high DHEAS and so what your doctor might be testing for is just testosterone in your blood work and that's why you might be like, Claire, I don't really know what you mean by saying high testosterone, mine's completely normal. But if you looked at your yes, it might be really, really high and therefore we could show that's actually what's um, contributing a lot to your symptoms. So if someone's got high DHAS, I know that's stress because DHAS is only produced by your adrenal glands, so stress hormones. Stress glands, that's um, and so if someone's got high DHAS, I know that it's likely related to stress for them. Now, stress doesn't have to come from, you know, the, the classic ones we think of, like when you get you know, you're getting landed projects night after night at 4pm that have to be completed by 8am the next morning for clients. And I'm thinking especially a lot of my friends who work in professional services firms, lawyers, accountants, um, other kind of management consultants. I'm thinking about you when I talk about that. So, yep, that's that's ridiculously stressful. Um, but so is trying to please a lot of family or, you've, or even if you've got... Um, like parents, sick parents or sick grandparents that need looking after and that burden or that, you know, that falls on you um, as well as trying to fit in um, a job. Maybe you've also got young children as well. So um, trying to fit all of those things into your life, um, you know, really, really what is, what stress is, is stress is defined as um, trying or your, what you demand of your job, sorry, what you demand of your body exceeds its adaptive resources so basically what we mean by that is trying to do too much with too little time isn't as stressful right same thing as your body is trying to do too much it doesn't have the resources to do that so this can come from all those things external sources like the work um, financial so again you're trying to pay for so many bills when you've only got you know a smaller amount of money that's stressful because you're like well i don't actually have the money to pay for this um it can come from social commitments you know trying to fit so much into a 24-hour day um and it can also come from in internal sources of stress as well so when your body's in fighting an infection or when it's constantly fighting when you're eating food that your body is slightly intolerant or allergic to and it is constantly trying to get rid of that and so your immune system is just on on the front line all day every day for years if not decades and that can cause internal stress within the body so and all of these things can be combined as well another really big stressor i often see is um too much high intensity exercise and or you know again demanding too much than what your body can actually adapt to and recover from that can also be a very very common source of stress and something that i saw within my body so i was um competing internationally i was training 20 hours a week i was also doing my honors thesis at uni as well and um, i probably would have been able to cope with one of those so if i was training 20 hours and i was also getting adequate recovery so i was sleeping a lot more But no, what I was doing is I was leaving the pool in the morning and I was going straight to university to write, you know, 5,000 words that day and then also trying to fit in lectures, also trying to fit in some social time, then going to more training in the afternoon, again trying to be social in the evenings and then not getting enough sleep. So a really common thing that happens is that we just, there's kind of bits of all of this. So I bet that a lot of you listening can be like, "Yep, yep, that's me, yep, that's me, yep, that's me as well. And this is what I often find is that it comes from so many different sources. It's not that we can just pin it down and be like, okay, there's, there's your source of stress. We just need to remove that. It's often more like your stress bucket has just been overflowed. And so what I think of this like is that you have a bucket and that is really all the stress that your body can handle. And if you try and put more stress in there then the bucket overflows, and that's when we get an excess of these stress hormones and DHEAS. So for example, if you like if you've got your stress hormone there, sorry, your stress hormone bucket there and you are a professional female living in a city, you can probably already fill your stress bucket up just with that. Okay, just with work stress, the stress of the stress on your body of commuting every day and rush hour, um, and also the inherent stress of living in a city of you know being social young female catching up with friends family etc and the social commitments that come with that so then if you then go and add a whole lot of um, um other stress so say for example it is high intensity exercise you're likely going to be filling that bucket up either to the top or overflowing it and so really what we need to unpick is well where is where is that stress coming from for you and then how do we actually get some quick wins so if it is that you're doing three Um, back-to-back hit classes a week or sorry back-to-back hit classes a day and you're doing that six times a week then okay easy no-brainer let's cut that back significantly if not all the way and for some people that might need to be the case Um, but if it's that you um, you and that can be some of the more easy wins if it's the other thing say for example that you're just not getting enough sleep then that's also another easy win for us that's another thing that I'd look at so, and sleep is a really, really important factor, and one that's often really overlooked. And you might need a lot more sleep than what you think. So, a really good action that you can take away immediately from this podcast is to try and figure out how much sleep that you need. To so try going to sleep with enough time for you to sleep up to ten hours, and see how long you sleep for. Okay, just just give it a, just give it a whirl and see. Do you wake up after? Because you might be thinking, okay, I only need seven hours. That I'm, I, you know that's fine enough for me but what you might find is that when you actually give yourself longer to sleep you actually sleep for nine hours and that's not just one day that's not, not just a day of catch-up that's again and again and again and you're finding okay well my body's actually naturally waking up after nine hours repeatedly so in actual fact what my body needs is actually it actually needs nine hours and you might be very surprised by this of how much it needs. And don't worry, don't be like, oh my God, there's no way I can manage you know, nine hours of sleep for the rest of my life. There'll be luxury. Imagine when I have children. But that's not what I'm trying to get you to do. I'm trying to show you that what your body might need at the moment when it's trying to repair all these systems in your body. So it's fighting the fact that you're body is overproducing all this cortisol and the damage that that does inside your body and so it actually needs more time to repair and and replace your cells because sleeping is the only time your body can do that it cannot do that while you're awake and so it makes sense that if your body is fighting you know a condition like PCOS and trying to you know uh, repair that damage that the um, high stress is causing because high stress will cause um, a lot of inflammation in your body And when it's trying to repair that, it's likely going to need a lot more sleep. So that would be another thing to just just try out. That's something that you can do now. doesn't require any bloods, doesn't require any testing, um, but can be a really important um, thing for you to, to try and see if that helps to improve some of your symptoms. So we've talked about insulin. We've talked about stress hormones and how they can often be the driver for lean PCOS. And another really common one, so is that we'll talk about is toxins um especially from like plastics and pesticides and they can really wreak havoc with our hormones so these are chemicals and plastic like bpo B, sorry bpa <laughs> and they are known as endocrine disruptors so what we mean by endocrine disruptors is those those plastics and chemicals like bpa they actually have the same structure as your hormones so say your estrogen and so it means that when you think about, when we remember we were talk about the key and the lock before, that's how all hormones work. They fit into a lock on the cell. And so if you have this BPA that can come in and fit onto the lock in on the cell, it can kind of increase your hormones like estrogen artificially. And so they, yeah, they mimic the shape of the key and fit into the lock artificially. So they can artificially raise the level of testosterone or estrogen in the body. Um, Some of the most common toxins come from pesticides in our fruit and vegetables and also in our personal care and makeup as well. So these can be another root cause for why your hormones are out of balance, why you've got too much testosterone. And of course, it can be a combination. So you could have high insulin that's being exacerbated by high stress hormones. That's a really common one. Uh, or you could have high stress hormones, and also have these high, um, you know, endocrine disruptors coming from these toxins. Because you're, um, you know, you're working in a busy corporate job, and you're getting your nails done every week, and you're getting your hair done, which uh, which uses chemicals as well, and you're eating at restaurants which use. Um, which use non-organic fruit and vegetables and you're living in a city which is polluted so there's so many things often come into play and it doesn't mean that if that is your life that that's, an, that's affecting you because a lot of people have the, a better ability of detoxing those toxins and that's okay but for some people it does make a massive difference and this is where individual variability and getting to your personal root cause is super important so that's exactly what we do when we work with the patient one on one, or we identify through the PSS protocol, is trying to identify what uh, is going on in their body that could be uh, causing these high levels of hormones, which are causing the um, the symptoms that they're getting. So as I said for this episode, we've got that download which has got the tests for like your yes and your insulin as well, as well as the what else. It could be, if it's not PCOS, could it be hypothalamic amenorrhea or could it be NCAH? So if you want to get that download, the link is in the show notes or head to my website. That's thepcsnutritionist.com and then go to the blog and then click on the link for episode five. So I hope that that has helped some of you who have PCOS and don't struggle with weight. Um, to get understand that it is just the same methodology as people that struggle with weight it's figuring out what that root causes and then once we know that then we can actually match you up with the right diet the right exercise the right supplements to help you improve that root cause because it's not about you know for you it's not about reducing calories and trying to lose weight if it is an insulin issue, then it's about trying to make your body more sensitive to insulin and changing your diet to help you do that. So your body's not overproducing insulin. Same thing, it's about doing exercise. It's going to make your body more sensitive to insulin. Or if it's not, uh, you know, if it's not, insulin's not an issue for you, then we're going to be wanting to address the, um, what, what the root cause is. So if it's stress, again, we want to be figuring out where that stress is coming from and how we can minimize as much of that for you as possible. So thanks again for all of your lovely ratings and reviews and comments. Um, I am overwhelmed by the amount of people that have left feedback or sending me messages. Um, thank you so much because it really helps encourage me to keep doing these um, and it helps other women find this podcast. Um, so if you found this valuable, I would be so, so grateful if you could leave a review on iTunes um, or if you're listening it on a different player, leave a review there. Um, but it just does help um, boost the ranking so that people can find it. When they say go into iTunes and search PCOS, um, it then pops up at the top so they then know that it, um, that you're thinking that it's a good podcast to listen to, so they might be encouraged to listen to it as well. So thanks again, and we'll see you all next week. Now stand by for our disclaimer. The information contained in this podcast has been prepared for the purpose of providing information, including about the PCOS Nutritionist products and services, and is designed to support clients' overall wellness. It is not intended to provide medical advice or designed to rectify, treat, or cure any specific medical conditions or diseases. Nothing stated or shared in our podcast is intended to be and must not be taken to be medical advice. Please seek the advice of professionals as appropriate regarding the evaluation of any specific information, opinion, advice, or content contained in our podcast.